This is Tom Jacobs from tdjacobs.com and also healingsuicide.com. I'm an evolutionary astrologer and also an energy worker and a channel. And at tdjacobs.com, you will find tools for helping you along your journey wherever you are. Readings, consultations, energy work, program crystals, books, channel books, astrology books, courses, tutor, uh, all kinds of stuff there. And uh, I do want to say, oh, and at healingsuicide.com, it's a, essentially a site that's a, that has a, a narrative over seven or eight pages that explains to you soul, its multi-life journey, how suicide affects the soul, and how we can work on healing emotions that might drive us toward feeling suicidal or listening and believing the parts of us who think that's the only answer. Anyway, so check that out. Um, this, uh, oh, I do want to say, oh, sorry, I'm going to interrupt myself a lot today. Uh, in the spirit of the uh, hearings that we're seeing in the U.S. Um, <laughs> on Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, there is now one spot opened up in the Pluto Intensive. Somebody who put a deposit down a couple months ago just decided that uh, she can't make it. So there's one more spot, Sedona, Arizona, October 25th through 28th. That's Thursday through Sunday at the Bell Rock Inn uh, in Oak Creek. Check out the healing courses page at tdjacobs.com for a full explanation. Essentially, it's a four-day healing intensive, an opportunity to transform Plutonian fears, to uncover the passion and sense of purpose and strength that Pluto within you already represents, but it might be covered over, as it is in the vast majority of people, by fear, pain, anger, guilt, shame, regret, all kinds of negative Plutonian things. So check that out. I am happy to uh, invite you to Sedona, welcome you there to facilitate you getting out of the, a rut or a trough regarding feeling disempowered about what you came here on Earth to do. So this MP3 um, is a, uh, I think it's going to be kind of uh, all over the place, but it's kind of a profile of uh, Brett Kavanaugh, who's this... Uh, um, U.S. Appeals Court judge who's nominated to uh, fill this vacancy on the Supreme Court um, by President uh, Donald Trump. And I'm going to talk about Lilith and Chiron, also Pluto, Uranus, and Mars, and um, a couple other things. Lilith. Yeah, two Liliths, actually, in this story. So this is kind of a strong Lilith story. Um, if you are interested in how I work with Lilith energy, there's, of course, Lilith Healing the Wild and the True Black Moon Lilith Natal Report, uh, both at tdjacobs.com. Lilith Healing the Wild is also on Amazon and Kindle. Uh, the the Natal Report uh, covers Euronatal placement of the True Black Moon Lilith. Today I'm going to talk about the, the True Black Moon, also called the Osculating Apogee. Um, and that, when you pull up this chart, if you use astro.com, you can use uh, H13 for the true position of Lilith. Uh, you have to type it in on the extended chart selection page to the additional asteroids or additional bodies or whatever in that little text box. Uh, if you don't and you select the one in the in the list to the left where Chiron and the main asteroid goddesses are, like Ceres, uh, Pallas, Athene, whatever, that's the mean position. And if you use that, it's like asking a blow-up doll what a woman is like. So don't use the mean position. Sometimes people say, write me and say, oh, I heard you say don't use it, but I use both and I find them useful. I just, I don't buy that. <laughs> I just, I don't believe it's useful. I think it's your mind playing a trick on you if you find any value in the mean or averaged out position. 
like God bless everybody. <laughs> People write me, I don't like respond with as a smartass, but but it's just it's like asking a Barbie doll or a sex doll what a woman is like. It's a plasticized version to make it more e to make it easier to handle. You know, it's like a manufactured thing that is not real. Okay, so there's that. Um, uh, also, the book Goddess, Past, Present, and Future. That's a channeled book, which is in a certain way a, a, a companion to Lilith Healing the Wild. It's the channeled take on patriarchy, sexual violence, why we're in this imbalance. Why would souls opt to go through this individually and collectively? It's in that book. Goddess, past, present, and future. I cannot recommend strongly enough that you read this if you are being affected by the Me Too movement stuff, the people's, you know, <clears throat> like today was obviously with this, uh, the psychology professor, Dr. Ford, she is, um, or Dr. Blazy, she's, uh, this is formal testimony, but of course for several years now, we've had this explosion of stuff in the media, I guess maybe almost a year with uh, Jupiter and Scorpio, right, a little over a year, something like that. So anyway, uh, Goddess, Past, Present, and Future, can't recommend it enough as a teaching to help you understand why we're doing this patriarchy thing. Okay, and then finally, I am going to talk about the archetype of Adam and Eve a little bit today. Uh, that is represented as the first chapter in Living Myth 2, Sacred Psychology, the book I just put out a month or two ago, and that's also at Amazon Kindle and tdjacobs.com. All right, so usually when I do a profile of somebody, I talk about Pluto and the nodes, and I try to, you know, the South Node Ruler, I try to tell a story that outlines stuff about personality. I'm feeling a little Mars and Aquarius today, so, so I'm just going to jump around a little and give you this teaching that I think is going to be helpful for understanding his perspective, where he's coming from, and, you know, why, what's going on. I do have to do some disclaimers first. I have no doubt that he has spent a great deal of years during his life um, being respectable. But I also have zero doubt that as a youngster, he probably was exploring, and I'll talk about these squares to the nodes here with Mars, Pluto, Uranus, and Chiron, uh, probably, I don't have any doubt that when he was younger, he wasn't. So I don't have any doubt that these claims are literally true or 90% true, right? I, I don't have any doubt. Um, but I understand he's freaking out, but he's so angry because his character is being maligned, whatever. That's fine. The other disclaimer is, so, so frankly, I just, I believe he's guilty. I'm just going to say that right off the bat. I'm not going to pretend to be objective. I am, I have not one journalistic bone in my body. So the second disclaimer is I have zero doubt that the woman who testified, uh, Blazy or Blazy Ford, I have, I have no doubt that she has been through something. Whether this guy did it or not, she listening to her voice when I was, I was driving around this morning running an errand, and listening to her voice on the radio, uh, through the radio, during her testimony, she is not in her body. She's anxious. There's constriction. She's not inhabiting herself. And these, when somebody's voice comes from his or her throat, that is a telltale sign that it's potential that there's some kind of abuse or trauma. And I come across it a lot in people when I do work for them, they're not able to be in their body when they've had different kinds of abuse. So I totally believe her and I totally believe that he would like not to have to talk about this. <laughs> okay. So I'm a little biased. Um, I'm also I also see Kavanaugh as a big Adam. 
and again, this is where I'm talking about referencing uh, living with two sacred psychology. The archetype of Adam is to be a man, typically, but it can also be a woman, who's in the existing power structure, who is taking orders or doing what the people who are in charge say you should do regarding life, regarding ethics, religion, whatever, work, and living and having this image of this ethical standard while well, I'm doing what I'm being told to do. And, you know, okay, I see him as an elite, an elitist. And even just to be called in question, it makes him, you know, it makes him really angry. So here's my bias on this. I just, I see him as a big Adam, and I don't ever mean that as a compliment when I say that about anybody. Okay, I just feel like I have to get that out of the way because I don't feel, I feel generous of spirit toward each of their souls, but I don't, I'm not defending him in any way. Okay, now, um, the first thing that jumps out at me, oh, let me give you his, his data. We don't have a birth time, but uh, February 12th. 1965, Washington, D.C., and when I do these, I do it at astro.com, and I don't pick 12 noon or 6 a.m. or something, because I get distracted by the houses, so I, I just, you know, I recommend that you pull up a chart with an unknown time. It will draw the chart as if it's for noon, so, for example, the moon is in the middle of its transit space that day, you know what I mean? So, um, it, but also, um, you just don't get distracted by the houses if it puts it at the top of the chart or at the ascendant or something. All right, so first thing that jumps out at me is um, Pluto, natally. And for me, this is the empowerment journey the soul sets out for the humans it, that it is living through in many lifetimes. So essentially, Kavanaugh's soul set out this, this Virgo empowerment journey, conjunct Uranus. And they're both retrogrades. So he's trying to figure out, you know, if he can afford to be different and unique and innovative or if he has to be conservative, or, you know, he's trying to figure out the right way to do Pluto. And you're trying to do something you perceive as useful with a Virgo placement. And the real story here for me is the opposition, uh, actually two things, but one is the opposition from Chiron. People with, and this is happening through mo much of the 1960s, the births that took place then, where Pluto and Virgo is opposed by Chiron and Pisces. Pluto says, I'm trying to be specific and be detail-oriented. I'm trying to control things. I'm trying to be analytical and make choices. And I'm opposed by, which can be, I'm deer in the headlighted by, or deer to the headlighted by. I'm blocked, confronted, or challenged, or held in place, or stymied, stifled, challenged by, um, I guess the, today's the word, the, the, keyword association list. Uh, anyway, by people who represent this other energy. Chiron is people who are wounded. So when Chiron opposes Pisces, Chiron and Pisces opposes Pluto and Virgo, the person in many lifetimes is confronted with what am I going to do with the reality of others suffering? Will I be open-hearted and compassionate? Will I be of service toward them? Or will I be analytical and not open up? Some people with this signature overwork to be of service and to be of help with other people. Because what kind of a jerk doesn't help people when you can see their suffering, when you can feel their suffering? Others of them go through that phase and then shut down because it's, it leads to burnout. Uh, still, 
another subset will dance between how much they can afford to care. Now, that doesn't sound like a nice thing to say, but again, we have compassion for the soul-level journeys of all humans. That's important in evolutionary astrology. But imagine being blocked and stuck, like held in place by somebody else's pain. So if you have ambition, if you have things you want to accomplish, if you're trying to control things, that's a, that's a hassle. So for him, the suffering of other people is a hassle. But there are some lifetimes where he, you know, and including this one, where you, you can't avoid it. Your, your greatest lesson is brought to you on a silver platter, and it's often very painful. So for him, this whole thing, you know, he's being very Virgo. And the reality of these accusations are, you know, as he says, they're ruining his life and his reputation. So what do you do in the face of pain and suffering? But here is the other deal with this. Uh, and let me tell you, as you're making your chart, I should have told you this in the beginning. Talking about the true black moon, I said H13 is a designator. But the, the asteroid Lilith is number 1181. So if you've made the chart already, go back and make it again. Add in 1181. Um, and that is uh, the asteroid Lilith. Now, the true black moon Lilith, which is what's featured in the um, true black moon Lilith book, Healing the Wild, and the Natal Report, and uh, the intensive, the MP3 set on my site, most of the materials I've developed on Lilith are about the true black moon of the oscillating apogee. And that, in this chart, will show up at 7 Aquarius, L-I-L, with O in parentheses for osculating. Um, and that's about raw, visceral, primal knowledge. Like, your body, your instinct says yes or no. Um, and you know immediately without thinking, because your instinctive response, your biochemical, energetic, physical, emotional response is clear. That's a true black moon Lilith. Shifting gear, we're going to talk about that in a minute. <laughs> but shifting gears, the asteroid Lilith, 1181, is about fighting on behalf of underdogs. It's about dealing with disenfranchised populations, marginalized people, people who fall through the cracks. It's about when it's healthy and strong and loud, it's about being an advocate for underserved populations. Whoever gets kicked out of the safety umbrella of the bell curve, consider the ends of the bell curve being, you know, not safe zone, right? Because you're not in the fold. You're not accepted by the mainstream society. You're not participating or upholding the status quo. So I said marginalized populations, right? Underdog populations as well. When the asteroid Lilith is strong in someone's chart, I have observed over some years of looking at it, that person feels a compulsion to advocate on behalf of underserved populations. To be an advocate. There's a social work uh, advocate kind of thing in there. It can, in many cases, also be simply outside the status quo, where things are different than expected. Like, you know, in a family system, if it's in, if it's a conjunct the South Node, for example, you might find the chart holder's mother was an authoritarian and the father was soft and sensitive. There's nothing wrong with this, but it might be counter to the expectations. You know, the status quo. The, what we would, what what most people would try to find safety as the norm, right? Um, or it can also be cross-dressing or transvestitism, uh, 
which could go either way. Of course, there's a social, you know, a social thing with women wearing men's clothing doesn't seem as, you know, so to speak, to the mainstream problematic or difficult as the other way around. But either one counts as its Lilith energy, something out of the ordinary. It is typically, the asteroid Lilith, typically this advocacy fighting for underdogs, is typically not... Um, rebellious and angry and it's not Uranian rebellion or revolution but it sometimes can be a very quiet revolution I simply opt out of what you consider to be the standard I'm doing my own thing that's a kind of that's a kind of asteroid level thing it's a it's a much more muted experience it's not as it's not this visceral and we can get angry about injustice and people who are shoved to the margins etc but it's not the same individual, individualized, personalized, visceral, instinctive, hormonal thing that the true Black Moon Lilith is. just want to make that clear. It says, most of the teachings that I've offered about Lilith over the last, I don't know, 10-ish years or more. No, it's more like, it's more like uh, 13 years. Um, the book started getting written in 2018, or 2008, the NATO Report 2, and then uh, but I was teaching about it before that. It was one of the first things I started specializing in, actually, after I started uh, doing this work. So, fighting on behalf of the underdog. Well, that's with Chiron and Pisces in Kavanaugh's chart. So, he is stymied and stifled by wounded people who are, you know, marginalized and shoved to the side. So, who is this psychology professor who's come forward and risked a lot. Who is she? She's saying, I, I'm wounded and I haven't been listened to. She she is Chiron Lilith together, Chiron Asteroid Lilith together. So this kind of thing in a bunch of different lifetimes has a potential to stop him in his tracks from his sense of progress and accomplishment and achievement. Um, a lot of people with strong Uranian signatures can be grounded and compassionate and, and objective. And some of them are elitist jerks. <laughs> just going to say it. Some people with strong Aquarius signatures, and he has his sun and series of Mercury and Venus and Lilith there, but also Pluto conjunct Uranus. So this whole situation, I would say, is uh, knocking him down a peg. And, um, you know, if he didn't do this to her, he probably did it to somebody. And if not in this life, he did it in some other lifetime, because this this is not a smear campaign. It's the something coming coming into a fruition. Something is has ripened, and it's time for him to be asked these difficult questions, which are embarrassing. Uh, you know, to have his public reputation shamed a little bit. I mean, not that he deserves it. Nobody really deserves it. But we we do you know reap what we sow, and if we are elitist jerks who treat people poorly, sometimes they go to the press and call us out and then we have to sit in front of Congress and talk about if we ever blacked out drunk, which is humiliating for this judge who spent most of his life or a good portion of his life, you know, decide, you know, tell, being respectable. I, again, I have no doubt that he's a good little Adam. Okay, but he's also an, elit an elitist Adam. Okay, so, um, all right, so... Also, the thing about Pisces, when a planet in Pisces opposes your efforts, it is not just one person, 
but it might be a person embodying or representing a global trend. So he is now the poster boy for, you know, a new kind of poster boy for the Me Too movement. Because this woman had the courage to come forward and tell this story, and then these two other people, and then then a fourth one who was questioned about weeks ago, and then my girlfriend, I haven't done the research or the math, but my girlfriend told me a little bit ago, oh, there's a fifth one now, so I gotta look that up. But, but um, you know, it, it, it's the the problem in the collective coming to a head, and now he's sitting there, you know, probably thinks it's very unfair that he has to answer for this global or this like social, you know, this community-wide problem. Okay, um, so that's the that's the little thing. He will not tend to be an advocate on behalf of marginalized populations from a karmic angle, meaning from a condition conditioning over many lifetimes perspective, he will not tend to do that because that has slowed him down, opposing his Pluto, Uranus, and Virgo. Uh, you don't want to be the kind of person who hurt you, which, by the way, is why a lot of people who experience abuse don't want to be assertive, which is why it's amazing this woman came forward. Okay, so, um, yeah, so he's not going to want to do that. But then also, on the other hand, even if he were inclined to do it, his Chiron is conjuncted. So on the personality level, he also will feel vulnerable about stepping outside the status quo or being an Adam, a good little soldier for the patriarchy. He will feel uncomfortable with that because he'll feel worthy of rejection. He won't have the confidence. That's a normal with our Chirons. We hesitate acting on our chirons because we feel vulnerable. So he has this vulnerability, but he also has this privilege which has afforded him to, uh, you know, race, class, money, uh, now social status, whatever. Who It has afforded him the ability to avoid difficult topics when other people are offended or other people are in pain. So that is a huge thing. Now, the other layer of this is these four things, Pluto Uranus, opposing Chiron, asteroid Lilith, 1181. They're, they're square the nodes. Square the nodes of the moon. And in my version, I don't consider that a skipped or a missed step. That's what some other EA people teach. What I teach is there's an unresolved issue because you know four or five out of the eight or nine or ten things one needs to know to be healthy with these energies. So out of those four or five things, you're probably really good at them, but you'll probably rely on habits and uh, presumptions and assumptions and knee-jerk reactions uh, regarding these energies. And so you have to learn to make new choices. Otherwise, you're just repeating old patterns and shooting yourself in the foot over and over again and wondering, why does this keep going wrong? I'm making the right choice. And the answer is, you're not making the right choice. You're making a what you think is correct, but you're not present. You're responding in a knee-jerk way because of old habits or preconditioned, pre-existing pre, uh, pre assumptions about what the world is like and how you should behave when these energies come up. So, what should I do with other people's suffering? This is a, what should I do with my own vulnerability and sensitivity? What should I do with the fact that I can feel, because I'm human, that other people experience pain? Well, that's Chiron square the nodes. Then this Pluto Uranus square the nodes. What is power? What does it take to get power? What does it mean to hold power? Okay, so so this is square the nodes, an unresolved issue. 
people with squares to the nodes, and not everybody has them, but when they occur, this, these planets will be persistent teachers, which is a nice way of saying they will get in your way over and over and over again until you correct your misunderstanding about reality. As I teach my students in my evolutionary astrology classes, if when there's a square to the nose and you have this unresolved issue, you are modeled by your families in many lifetimes certain ways to use these energies. And then you're exploring certain other ways, but it's not the full story. And the only resolution is to stop and then learn to make new choices based in reality and the present tense instead of just assuming that you have the right answer. But that requires vulnerability, and we don't want to do that. That requires sometimes a, a sense of being humble enough to recognize that there is a flaw in how we have constructed our worldview. So we make this stupid choice. We make the choice over and over again that turns out to be stupid, and then eventually it bites us on the bat on the butt. And then we don't understand why something went wrong. So so Chiron square the nodes. How do I deal with other people's pain and suffering? Uh, asteroid Lilith square the nodes. Should I give a crap about other people being marginalized? Pluto Uranus and Virgo square the nodes. Uh, am I being helpful to people or am I being power hungry? Am I an elitist or am I an egalitarian humanitarian? Um, okay, so there's that. This whole thing about him being an atom, this is really prevalent in the Abrahamic or you know monotheistic religions. Um, I don't want to pick on uh, Judaism or Christianity or Islam. I want to pick on all three of them mercilessly all at the same time because, <laughs> uh, and I'm not. In, well, I don't wish to insult people who have those faiths dear to their heart hearts. But I want to be clear that these are political systems meant to shape you into thinking about the world uh, in order to promote community of certain kinds, to protect each other, protect people, to have a place to belong. But uh, sometimes we give something up when we, you know, adhere to such a community. Sometimes. And uh, being an atom can happen in any of these monotheistic religions, which have really uh, generated or supported and bolstered patriarchal thinking, which is about the imbalance, the elevation of the masculine, so that things can be controlled, and the automatic hand-in-hand -hand, um, devaluation or diminishment of the feminine. And this is the basis, again, of Lilithia in the Wild, which is two-thirds astrology book, but one-third essays on this stuff, and then Goddess, Past, Present, and Future, this channel perspective on why the patriarchy exists and what we're all doing and how we can heal it. Um, being a good Adam means, in any of these kinds of contexts, and you can be secular in some Western society and be a good Adam too. You know, Essentially, you take orders or you do what's expected of you and you measure up to these standards of behavior, which may or may not be humanistic or humane or respectful of other people. One of the things about being a good Adam is your religion tells you that you are to respect women. Here's my soapbox. I have, a, I have some soapbox that are nested in each other, and I drag them around with me everywhere. A lot of them do have to do with Lilith and the patriarchy and kind of myth-busting some of these religious teachings. So here's one of them, uh, <laughs> that um, these these religions, people who adhere to these religions will insist that they respect women, 
their women, their mothers, their daughters, their sisters, whatever, their wives. But that only happens if, in these orthodox scenarios, these kind of conservative and orthodox strains of these religious traditions, they're only respected if they adhere to the male expectation of what a woman is like, or should be like. So, um, you know, all the virtues and the behaviors and division of labor and the chastity slash purity stuff, uh, including, you know, evangelical, including Mormon, this, all, all these things kind of count, these different faiths. So um, they'll insist that they respect women, but really only if women, you know, are cookie cutter eaves. So, so here's the deal. Um, Kavanaugh is the kind of guy who, and I talk about this in the Lilith book, I talk about this in uh, Living Myth, Sacred Psychology, the second volume, Living Myth 2. Um, you're, an Adam is supposed to bring home an Eve who is compliant, respectable, respectful. She's admirable, she's chaste. You know, she would make a good wife and a good mother. But every human needs also Lilith. Every human, even Adam has Lucifer, the bad boy, inside him. And even if he brings home Eve, he wants Lilith. This is why porn is such a phenomenon leading to addiction. We crave connection with Lilith, the wild feminine. The woman who'll do anything in the context of porn, but in other places, in certain sports, uh, the kind of aggressive feminine, aggressive woman energy is welcome. Uh, and also, I always think of those, uh, the professional wrestling women. I always think of them when I think, when I think of Lilith and where it's okay to be Lilith, because there's, um, there's edge, you know, there's attitude, there's whatever, you know, and that's, that's kind of present in there outside of the like, uh, literal, you know, sexuality of, of porn. I mean, like the wrestling is kind of like sports porn. It's like without the absolute total nakedness and other things that go with actual sex, but it's about that sexual thing about Lilith. Um, okay. So my God, what was I talking about? Oh yeah. You're supposed, an Adam is supposed to want Eve. That's who he marries because that's the kind of safe bet on who's going to, who's going to raise his kids the way he wants them raised. Now we look at Kavanaugh's Venus and it's conjunct the true black moon Lilith. Venus is what you're attracted to. You're attracted to the wild, a person who can't be controlled. Now that can come out with Venus as a friend of either gender, of any orientation, who has strong opinions and isn't going to be pigeonholed into some stereotype, right? And it can also come out as, if you're a heterosexual man, the kind of woman you're attracted to. So I have no doubt that Kavanaugh has spent his most of his life being and trying to be a good Adam and be respectable and responsible and have this whole facade going on about how he's not really human and he didn't drink a lot when he was young, even though everyone else is confirming that he does. He did. Um, but then he wants Lilith. So I have no doubt that he would engage in, at least at some point in his life, trying to pull Lilith out of Eve's. 
the context of drinking too much alcohol, well, not like a drink or two, but like the context of like a, a party, you know, like a high, high school kids getting drunk or college kids getting drunk, um, that is where people, of course, can lose inhibition. And I have no doubt that that appeals to him, at least when he was young and exploring, you know, as a whatever, adolescent, as a teenager, as a young man. I have no doubt. He has Venus conjunct Lilith. He is going to be turned on by a woman who doesn't say yes to everything. That's part of Venus conjunct Lilith. Um, sometimes in people's experience, Lilith, to true Blackman Lilith, uh, is about suppression of this. But even somebody who's taught to be a good boy, if he is going to drink too much, this shit's going to come out. Come on, we all know this. We all know this. This is why some people don't drink. Because they're like, uh, I don't think I want some part of me to come out that I don't really know if I have control over. I don't really want to find out that that part of me, you know, can act somewhat independently, you know. Um, okay, so, so he has Venus Conjunct Lilith. I have no doubt that he is turned on by non-Eve women, at least for certain chapters of his life, if not as a constant. Okay, and then let's talk about the South and Sagittarius, governed by belief in many lifetimes being defined by belief, being born into a family where belief or faith or an actual religion, uh, you know, is part of the story, or, or a set, you know, as religion as a set of guiding principles, you know, living within certain parameters, belief. Um, so that's a South, no, that's a strong energy, but it's also, uh, it's about the party. It's about joviality. It's about eat, drink, and be merry. It's also part of that is pleasure-seeking and adventure and risk-taking. So then we have this Pluto and Virgo with Uranus and Virgo, you know, square the notes, opposite the Chiron, Lilith, and Pisces. And this is a, that's a setup, this unresolved issue about power and dominance and where power comes from and should I care about others' sensitivity should I care about others if they're not elite like me? That's a lot of what this Chiron Lilith opposing Pluto Uranus says, score the nodes. Should I care about other people who are not elite like me? That's who this guy is. He doesn't care. But this facade of religiosity and being respectable requires that he act like he does. Okay. So then, um, South Node ruler, Jupiter, is uh, in Taurus. So the south node is kind of how you're conditioned in many lifetimes to see the world. And you've been around the block, all kinds of ups and downs and healthy and unhealthy expressions about the south node. And our jobs with our south nodes is to, uh, is to sort through what's healthy and not healthy and carry forward what works well. So then the third step of the story, Pluto's the first step in my analysis, south node and then south node ruler by sign. So Jupiter in this case tells me about how he shows up in many lifetimes. And um, his special skills and talents or roles, like, like a deep layer of identity. Now that's in Taurus. So we know that Taurus is about being conservative, but it's also about pleasure-seeking. It might not be about being wild so much. That's really kind of like the Pluto-Uranus uh, square the nodes and the Venus-Lilith con conjunction. Um, 
but so we could imagine, I mean, it's, it would be really easy to see somebody becoming more conservative after sowing wild oats, so to speak, or being one of those boys will be boys kind of boys. It's, it's, it's totally normal with a south node ruler in Taurus. South node's in Sagittarius. There's an expansive nature, but he himself will have this urge toward identifying as conservative. And of course, we know he's politically conservative, uh, conservative as a judge, but in behavior and in uh, temperament, there is this urge toward conservative. So if he has a period in his life where he acts out and is wild, well, eventually he's going to sober up a little bit. That's kind of what we can understand from this. Uh, what we can, it's easy to, it's safe to presume that even if he acts something out, he's going to become more conservative. Okay. Now, all that said, I left out one square of the nodes, which is central to this whole whole conversation, all these things that I've talked about. And it is that retrograde Mars and Virgo square the nodes. So, as I told you before, when something is square your nodes, you have an unresolved issue. You're really good at certain things related to that energy or expression, but maybe four or five out of the eight or ten things that you need to know to be healthy and happy and successful with it. Well, Mars is about desire. It's about being self-assertive. It's about uh, wanting something. So, um, and it's about sexuality, and it's about violence. So, in many lifetimes, his soul is having him explore the right way to be Mars energy. When you see that um, anger, if you watch, look at pictures or watch the testimony at all um, from today's thing, you see the anger, that's Mars. You know, Mars is anger. So the right way to deal with anger, the right way to consider or experience sexuality, the right way to assert desire, the right, you know, in Virgo, you can have this expectation that you should be chaste or you should be good or you shouldn't be out of control. But a square to the nodes at times gets out of control. And what I see for him, what I see kind of um, as a big picture multi-life thing for him is this is in part this journey to act out and then judge it, and maybe even try to cover it up, but try to avoid having to look at it because now he's respectable and responsible. So Mars square the node says, I don't know the right way to use Mars, and it's retrograde in Virgo. So we can assume that being on either side, this is a strong potential, being on either side of sexual power dynamics in many lifetimes. A, the Pluto opposing the Chiron Lilith, should I care that others are sensitive or should I just do what I want because I'm elite and the Mars square the nodes, you know, I have these urges, right? I want something and I get angry if somebody doesn't give it to me. That's a potential with Mars square the nodes, especially if it's retrograde. You don't know what you want right away. So you might actually do what others look normal, what looks normal in others behavior. And I wouldn't be surprised if he ever admitted to any of these things, if they happened and he admitted to them, if he was basically dragged along by, by something that is similar to peer pressure, but it is the desire to fit in, even if nobody pressures you, somebody makes a suggestion and you're like, well, I don't really know how to use my Mars, so okay, sure, I'll try that. That's possible. That's possible. Retrograde planets, by default, at first, don't know what they should be doing. 
and eventually you learn by trial and error, well, this doesn't feel right. That doesn't, that's not for me. That's not right. This isn't right. And eventually you get to a place where you realize through, through again, through a process of trial and error, and it can take decades, that what is the right way for you to behave? So he may have come out on the other side of expressing or exploring Mars and Pluto and Lilith, uh, Venus, Lilith, and Aquarius. He might have come out on the other side of those younger days, more conservative and wanting to be more chaste and more respectable and to be a good little you know, hierarchical elitist Adam and raise a family and respect women and all this stuff. But I have no doubt that in his energy field, in his consciousness and his multi-life memories is all this stuff. So I want to be also be clear, I just mentioned it a minute ago, but I want to be clear, when we're talking about sexual violence or inappropriate behavior of any kind, whether it's Venus, I'm attracted to you, Mars, I want you, Pluto, I want to dominate you, or Saturn, I want to control you, what, what, or, or whatever it is, when we have these imbalances related to sexual energy and expression, I want to be extremely clear that if you, in a given life, if a person, I don't want to pick on you, if any person in any given life is having an imbalance regarding sexual energy or power dynamics, then we know with absolute certainty it is happening in a bunch of lifetimes. And we all have some version of it. So I want to be clear. This guy is now being held up, you know, as this potential perpetrator. And we, we do. We look at the victim-perpetrator vocabulary this whole paradigm, we, we're really into, you know, shaming the perpetrators and all this stuff. And, you know, should Louis C.K. be able to be a comic anymore? You know, he emerges for his, uh, for another gig at this tiny little place in, in wherever he lives. And people are like, I don't think he should be allowed to come back. And nice, nice try, loser. Uh, because, you know, he's been shamed now, right? Um, but, but anybody who is on one side of that dynamic in a given life, has been on both sides of that dynamic in many given lives. So this is part of my teaching here about goddess past, present, and future, and Lilith, uh, sexual violence, sexual healing, is that it's really important to understand that if you've been on one side of the dynamic, in some other lifetimes, you're also on the other side. We are all living as both genders. We're all living as feeling confident and not confident in, very, in alternating lives. Uh, not one after the other, but like over the course of many millions of lifetimes, we're all in all these positions. We want what we want, or we're ashamed about what we want. We're afraid to express desire, or we have no problem expressing desire. We're all over the map because our souls require that we, as humans, explore over the course of millions of lifetimes. Each one of us. You didn't have 108 lifetimes. That's bullshit. When somebody tells you that, they're coming from some religious tradition, but it's very complex it, there's a lot more going on. So don't believe that this is your last lifetime or if you feel naive, this is your first lifetime. No, you're, you're here. You're here and embodied until all souls figure out how to become the source of love for themselves. So we're in it. We're in it together and it's the long haul. Do not assume you get to get off this wheel of suffering just because you don't like it and you want to be rewarded for doing well. We're all in this for the long term. And don't let that depress you because going through pain is important for the learning of all that is or goddess and God consciousness. Again, check out the channel books at tdjacobs.com because this, they tell the whole story here. So um, 
we're all in need of this individual healing and that adds up to a collective healing. Now with Jupiter going into Scorpio in 2017, you know, for approximately 13 months and it's almost over, um, you know, these things are coming to a head. I think it was a week or two before that all the Harvey Weinstein stuff uh, came up uh, or the first part of it came up. And then, of course, there's a string, right? This domino effect of all these people. And um, so you want to, you know, you want to root for the underdog. You know, you want to um, stand up for the for the victims. You want to shame the perpetrators. Just recognize that the larger healing here is in getting out of that paradigm and an understanding that um, there's no such thing as evil, really. But we're all trying to meet our needs and, and try to figure out how we should be behaving. That's how we explore what the soul sends us here to do. Where am I going to get love? Well, if I think that's about sexual domination and money, well, I have a certain path I'm going to explore. Where am I going to get love? If I think it's about making you happy and not being strong-willed so you support me, well, there's another path. And so we have, you know, if, if I don't assert my power, if I don't own the choice to say yes and no, maybe I attract people who do that, you know, essentially in my face or so to speak on my behalf, like they're showing me strong-willed energy. So anyway, we're all in this learning journey of how to stand up for ourselves and heal this stuff. And I'm just encouraging you to, uh, step out of the victim-perpetrator paradigm and have compassion for all involved, but understand you're in both situations in various lifetimes. This is why it affects us so much, because sexuality has been such a huge problem as it's been tied to this power dynamic, and a lot of it's about patriarchy and subverting the feminine to elevate the masculine. Again, goddess, past, present, and future. Lilith healing the wild. Okay, so let me just look back at Kavanaugh's chart. Yeah, yeah, that whole, that thing, I just think about that clip where uh, Kavanaugh several years ago, I think it was 2015, said at a speech somewhere, um, you know, what, what happens at Georgetown Prep stays at Georgetown Prep, and I think that's been good for a lot of us or something like that. And that whole idea of, like, boys will be boys, and... This phrase, sowing wild oats, I don't even think people use that phrase anymore, but from being a child, seeing it in movies or something, you know, uh, that's where it comes, that's where it sticks out to me in my memory. But this whole thing, like, we need to explore our visceral, primal, raw emotions and how those connect with our hormones, our, our endocrine system, and our physicality and sexuality and the chemicals and the body and all that stuff. We need Lilith. We need Lilith. And he has Venus conjunct Lilith. So he's actually, by default, looking for that in other people. But again, if the Virgo stuff and the, if the Taurus south node ruler and the Virgo planets, which are all retrograde, by the way, again, I might explore extremes as I try to find the right experience right, with the retrogrades. I don't know what to do, so I'll just do what looks normal. Um, and to some degree, this shitty behavior that he's said to have done is what looked normal. This is why when I was a kid, I didn't think there was a place for myself in the world because people were doing that stuff to each other and other people were saying, boys will be boys. And I was like, I don't want to live in this world. That's, that's terrible. My Pluto and Libra was like injured by the reality of how people treat each other regarding sexuality. 
I was just I was really attuned to the power and indifferent the power indifference the differential, and and the um, you know unwillingness which is displayed now through these uh, you know old white Republican men who are just incredibly fucking toxic. Um, just listen to the energy in Senator John Kennedy's voice. He's from Louisiana. Just listen to the energy in his voice. Listen to the muted vitriol and the contempt he has for just about everybody, for, for the whole of humanity, and especially anybody who makes his you know, uh, ambitions to power more difficult or take longer. So all these atoms, all these uh, old white guy atoms, um, yeah, so anyway, I, I, this, this kind of, you know, dismissing the behavior of boys will be boys, and it's toxic. So now we're in this time in our collective evolution where we can't do that anymore. We can't let people get away with that anymore. So, and that's one of the things, you know, the freedom of boys to be boys, that is really terrifying some of the, like the white nationalist majority who want to be able to act on anybody and do whatever they want. And so Kavanaugh is the poster child for this, for what is a cultural reckoning about what happens when you hurt people and then they talk about it later. What happens, you know, this whole thing about Confederate monuments in the South, this whole thing, everything, everything in our history, everything in this cultural history that's unfolding in the U.S. right now and in some other places, the tribalism stuff, the self, you know, the us versus them and the like vilifying the other. Well, yeah, like Trump doesn't understand that he and the president of Mexico are not friends. Like he doesn't get that. And at the opening of his campaign a couple of years ago, he talked about how Mexicans are rapists. So he doesn't understand. Again, it's this, it's this elitist conceit that other people don't matter. And that my behavior, I should never be held accountable for my behavior because, again, I'm just doing what is socially sanctioned because I'm an atom and I believe God has my back. I believe this privileged white God has my back. Okay, I'm going to stop with the things. You guys are getting sick of this uh, diatribe. Anyway, so that's kind of how I'm looking at um, Kavanaugh's chart. I will say that the North Node in Gemini is about finding out that you're wrong. In all cases, if you have the South End and Sagittarius, understand that your job in life is to be have your mind opened and you find out your beliefs are wrong and you don't know everything. And I think that is definitely serving, um, you know, serving him or ser this uh, hearing is serving the hearing, the confirmation hearing, yeah, is serving this purpose for him. We don't have an exact birth time for him. So uh, in this chart, if it were noon, Moon's at 747 Cancer. If that were accurate, that progressed Moon's in late Gemini. So, and it's passing over that North Node. So the need to find out that you're wrong is something he's experiencing right now if his birth time is, you know, noon or before. So anyway, I'm going to wrap this up. Check out, seriously, seriously, check out Goddess, Past, Present, and Future, the channeled book. Seriously. And also Lilith Healing the Wild and the Lilith, the Blackman Lilith Natal Report at tdjacobs.com. Okay, take care. Thanks for your time and energy. 